what we're fighting against is insanity and a desire to be outraged at all times. We're always looking for some simple way to bring outrage and fear to people around us. So let's be careful not to become the other side of that That's coin. That's such a good point. I will attest to this. When you're in the arena and people are coming at you with stuff that is so far-fetched, conspiracy theory, all that kind of stuff, it's really easy to just be like, fight fire with fire. And you come at people with the same attitude, the same spirit. It doesn't work. It's not right. good. And so we can't do that. But here's what's going to happen is people that we're hanging with that are trying to forge a new path, you know, just recreating some of these social structures, maybe more in alignment with the heart of God. If you don't stand up and say all these bad things about people who your folks perceive are enemies, then they think you're not defending them enough. Right. And so let's not play into that. Okay, let's record. Three, two. Okay, which podcast is this? You have a lot of them. This is this is the Paul and Ashley podcast on nonpartisan evangelical. Oh, okay. Are we recording this? We're live on YouTube and we're live on TikTok. Good morning. Live on YouTube. We're getting better at knowing when we're live. We come together every Saturday to just talk a little religion, politics, and life. Ashley is a former elected official, two-time, two-term mayor of Fresno, and I am a former senior leader of a church and now pastor on TikTok. And so we've always had uh, an interesting perspective on the world with our mix of religion and politics in that we think there shouldn't be a mix of religion and politics, but there should be a heart of God that in, involves everyone well in their civic realm. And yet we're involved in religion and politics. Yeah. So we have some authority to speak on this kind of stuff and seeing the inappropriate influence and the inappropriate ways in which people from a religious perspective are imposing their views on the public square. Um, well, let, let me correct that because I we talk religion and politics because we think religion and politics are bad. Fair. That's fair. We, yes. we think following Christ and allowing that to impact you searching for justice and fairness and equality and shalom in your yeah. community is exactly what yeah. followers of Christ should be doing or followers of God even Fair. should be doing. Yes, yes, yes. So, okay. So I'm seeing Beige 45 asking about the golden statue of 45. I knew that was going to come up today. That's what, everyone's favorite topic this week. I one think. of the things we like to do is do what we call the WTH. It's the week that happened. And and so I'll tell you what I said in, in the Bible talk. And also the thing I was just showing Ashley, the stage at CPAC, which has shaped the design of a Nazi symbol. So do we believe that the CPAC conference says, hey, psst, don't tell yeah. anybody, but the stage oh. is a Nazi symbol. Yeah. Uh, wink, wink. Right. Um, not. I don't not. think so. No. So we have. To, so what we're fighting against is insanity and a desire to be outraged at all times. I was talking about this with the Jezebel spirit in the Bible talk. We're always looking for some simple way to bring outrage and fear to people around us. So let's be careful not to become the other side of that That's coin. That's such a good point. I that think is such a good point. So CPAC, you are effing stupid to allow that to happen. How could that have happened? I don't think they intentionally designed a stage to look like a Nazi symbol, but they are freaking idiots to have, allow, have yeah. allowed it to happen, and knowing what we're talking about. I don't know that anybody had a vantage point that we now can see in this on the setup team. But. It may very well be they designed the stage, and then when the the other company came and put the yeah, screens up right. and all of a sudden right. made it into that design. But really the broader point here, because I don't think it's so much about just that, the broader point is, I will attest to this, when you're in the arena, so to speak, and people are coming at you with stuff that um, is so far-fetched, conspiracy theory, all that kind of stuff, it's really easy to just be like, fight fire with fire. And Right. trying to and you come at people with the same attitude the same spirit it doesn't work it's not right. good and so we can't do that but here's what's going to happen is people that we're hanging with that are trying to forge a new path where you know these i don't know um just 
recreating some of these social structures, maybe more um, in alignment with the heart of God or whatever. If you don't stand up and say all these bad things about people who your folks perceive are enemies, then they think you're not defending them enough. Right. And so we just don't, let's not play into that. As per the statue of Donald Trump, the golden calf, if you will, I can imagine the people designing that statue were like, this will get them. This will get the libs. We're going to own the libs with this one. And so my advice is let's just not give that stupid thing oxygen. Hey, we know the idolatry of Donald Trump in the religious right and the conservative right is well-established. They've sold their soul for Donald Trump as president. That idolatry doesn't need a golden calf. That idolatry already exists. Let's not give oxygen to the stupidity of the golden statue of Donald Trump. To me, it's, to me, they're just trying to get your goat. But And so be careful not to become the other side of the same coin. Yeah, I think that's, that's good. That's a good point. Well, I was just going to say, putting aside the, is it a golden calf? Like kind of thing. Let's be like, yeah, we flew past Golden Calf five years ago. <laughs> yeah, we're way let's beyond. Let's not be shocked and awed by this. We're, but so let that go. But like, it's just so tacky and oh, self-aggrandizing and like all the like, bleh. it's just a reminder of this, just the layer of junk that, that comes with. That was the biggest thing when I saw it. I thought that is one of the ugliest statues I've ever seen in my life. And people are taking selfies with it as it goes by. I'm like, yeah, which just show, like when you sell out to something really cheesy, there was a Saturday Night Live skit years ago that it was a people's court. And it was this woman, I think it was Rosanna Arquette was suing the devil because she sold her soul to the devil to be a great hairdresser. And it didn't work out the way she wanted it. At the end of it, she wins the case. And at the end, they're like, will you ever sell your soul to the devil again? And she's like, no, maybe for a really nice car. And so if you're going to sell your soul, do it for more than a sandwich. Do it for more than Donald Trump. And if you sell your soul so cheaply, then that tacky, crappy statue makes you go, ooh, look at that. Because yeah. you sold your soul really inexpensively. So just recapping, here's who we are, what we're doing, et cetera. I'm Ashley. This is Paul. Paul is old Pastor Paul on TikTok and pastor-paul.com. You can find a bunch of other cool content and stuff on his website. And we're going to talk, we'll give you, make sure you like what all that is as we go throughout this morning. We spend about an hour together. We know from looking at the uh, stats after we log off that people spend maybe up to five minutes. Actually, the number's going up. We used to be at like two to three minutes, and now y'all are hanging out for like five minutes, which is really cool. But we're just going to carry on a conversation with each other, with all of you. And as Paul said, we like to recap the week in our special segment called WTH, the week that happened. <laughs> and then I wish we could think of something for WTF. It flailed. So, See, somebody will come up with a good one in the chat. <laughs> yeah, we mostly want to create a space for people to talk about just the reality that has become this kind of religious political stuff happening in our society because we're all finding that we need a good place to talk about it, be honest about how we're seeing things, seek help, encouragement, and support one another. So, that's what we're dedicated to. I want to just note that apparently we've got maybe some little fisticuffs of words happening in the chat. Oh, I really? See, I see our moderators working hard to say, y'all be kind. We don't want to block people, but yeah. So just, yeah, like this is not the, the, the place to come on and try to just disrupt and get attention. So let's be encouraging and supportive one another in the chat, please. Yeah. Yeah, we have decided we're going to keep the place safe. And so if somebody just wants to come in and fire out staunch right-wing Christian nuttiness, we're going to mute them. Although we're hearing the unable to block, so I'm not sure if we're having some technical difficulties or, or what. Huh, I wonder. We could try to adjust. No that. option. To, I'm unable to block. No option. Maybe as a moderator, you can't block, but I think you can mute. 
So anyway, see, okay. so that's what this particular person is doing. Is what? Is making things unsafe. All right, let me see what I can okay. do here. All right. Let's see if we can get rid of him. God bless you. Uh, what should we do? Block. block. There Over we here. go. All right. Boom. Boom. Guy McGee is now blocked. There you go, buddy. All right. <laughs> what was he? I wonder what he was talking about. I'm not sure. We can figure that out later. Let's know. Beige says she doesn't have the mute option. All right. Well, then just tell us if there's Listen, somebody that needs to be Listen, it's the Wild muted. West on TikTok right now. So we'll just go with it. And that, I just hate that. Now, if some if somebody who is a staunch right-wing Christian wants to come in and say, I have a different thought. Can I share this? And put yeah. that out. That's great. But yeah. what happens is they just start going, you're wrong. You're wrong. No. I just hate that. Sadly, moderators cannot block. Well, we're learning. I, I thought, okay, again. Let's they not. have been able to in the past. I mean, so I'm not sure. Yeah. TikTok just flicks switches yeah, 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 for the heck yeah. of we it. Don't. I used to get lots of views on my videos. And then one day they decided that I didn't anymore. <laughs> so that's how it goes. But here's my thing from the week that happened. Do we want to go to WTH? Yes, WTH. Week. So, so Charles just said week that finished. Oh, <gasps> Charles. Week that he did finished. It. He did it. I knew somebody would come up with <laughs> something clever. <laughs> but I was really honored to be invited into a group of awesome evangelical leaders. It was led by a couple of a friend of ours, Doug Paget from Boat Common Good. And then Shane Claiborne, who is not a, a friend of ours, but somebody that we know of. Well, we follow and we, yeah. you know, we watch his stuff. An amazing guy and somebody that we may not always politically agree with necessarily, but just has done amazing things. And they brought a group of people together to craft a letter to ask evangelical churches and church leaders to denounce Christian nationalism. Now, Christian nationalism is a term that I didn't even really know existed until maybe about a year ago. It was new to me, honestly, until this book came out. I did an interview with this author, and I know it's probably backwards on your screen, but Catherine Stewart wrote this book called The Power Worshippers. And I did this interview with her about a year ago, and the subtitle is Inside the Dangerous Rise of Religious Nationalism. And so Christian nationalism, religious nationalism, I didn't even know was a thing until about a year ago. Now, we knew in our spirit back in 2005 that something was way off in the right-wing church and with the idolatry of religious politics and the Supreme Court and the presidency and all of that stuff. I feel like it, for me, it was really magnified when President Obama was elected. Oh my gosh, it got I, really I ugly then. I, I honestly don't know if in 2005 I was in touch at all with, I think I was just living a pretty insulated, isolated, bubble-like life. I, I don't think I really picked up on it until I was in office, honestly. And I was like, wait, what? We hate him. Why? What if we <laughs> help our community? Shouldn't we partner? Like what? That anyway. Yeah. And then when we met Sarah Palin in 2008, that's when we knew something really we crazy was going after on. After the presidential, it wasn't right. 2008. But it, it was 2008. No, the it election was... was in 2007. And then Obama okay. became president in 2008. No? No. Okay. The elections in 2008. Okay. She was, she and John McCain were defeated. Okay. Obama was sworn in in 2009, but she got on the speaker circuit and we went up. Some of friends of ours had tickets to an event being held in Northern California in Reading and they invited us to come up. It was no, it was like maybe 2010, 20, like it was yeah. not, okay. it was, yeah. Anyway. Okay. I thought it was earlier than that. I have to look back because that was the first time that I was really like, hey, 60 year old people in suits and ties are really off their freaking rocker. <laughs> they are really nuts. So, anyway, this group wrote a letter condemning Christian nationalism. And it was, it came out on an NPR story this week. And we're now encouraging other evangelical leaders to sign on. About 200 leaders signed on to this. Really impressive people. Brian Zahn, Brian McLaren some really uh, awesome names in the space. And I'm just proud to be a part of it. And part of the premise, and I know this is hard for some people to hear, but I think this is a truth. The premise is, hey, after 9-11, what did we demand of our Muslim friends and neighbors? 
do you denounce what happened on 9-11? You have to denounce what happened on 9-11. And our Muslim friends had to go in front of the cameras of TV stations and say, no, that's not us. That's not true Islam. And we're saying after January 6th, evangelical churches should do the same. We should be asking the same of them. Are you for it or against it? Do you denounce Christian nationalism or do you support what happened on January 6th? And I know some would say, well, that's not true, but I played video. I have a, a TikTok video this week I played of the prayer they prayed in the Senate, thanking God for helping them with their insurrection into the chamber. And that prayer, if you hear that prayer, is exactly the type of prayer that's prayed in an ongoing basis in the tradition of which we've gone to church yeah. for most of our lives. And so there's no question in my mind, it's not Antifa in the room. It is our people in that room. And so this letter came out this week. And I, I think, can I just read a part of it? It's so good. Honestly, mm-hmm. have you posted it everywhere so that people can see it? I have. If you go to pastor-paul.com, oh I don't think it's up there yet, but it'll be up oh, there today. Do go see yeah. it and circulate it because it, it it's a Google form that other pastors and faith leaders can sign on to. Yeah. So a hundred percent. The website where it is that you can sign on is called say no to Christian nationalism.org, okay. I think. Okay. Let me read just a part of this. So it starts by like this. As leaders in the broad evangelical community, we recognize and condemn the role of Christian nationalism, the role that it played in violent, racist, anti-American insurrection that took place at the United States Capitol on January 6th. We recognize the damage done by radicalized Christian nationalism in the world, the church, and in the lives of individuals and communities. And we know from experts on radicalization that one of the key elements in a belief is a belief that your actions are, quote, blessed by God, unquote, and ordained by your faith. This is what allows so many people who hold to a Christian nationalism view to be radicalized. That's brutal. Now, one other thing I wanted to read here, and I thought this was really interesting. It says, over the centuries, there are moments when the church, big C church, which means the whole collective of the church. So there are moments when the church, the transnational body of Christ, has seen distortions of the faith that warranted a response. In ages past, the church has responded by holding emergency councils in order to unilaterally denounce mutations of the Christian faith and to affirm the core values at the heart of Christianity. It is in that spirit that we unite our voices to declare that there is a version of American nationalism that is camouflaging itself as Christianity. And it is a heretical version of our faith. Yeah, that's fire. That is fire. Some questions in the chat about who wrote that letter. And if I'm understanding the chat correctly, no, it wasn't the author of the book. It was this collection of evangelical leaders. leaders. It is really good. So we got to, we got to put that up. And I feel, and I'm seeing some comments about how people have asked family members to denounce white supremacy. And it's not uncommon for people to be so offended by the question that they just shut down the conversation. Right. And that's something that we got to get better at. I'm reminded of the scripture, a gentle answer turns away wrath. And the reason why I memorize that scripture is because my mom's name is Ruth. And we used to joke, a gentle answer turns, <laughs> turns away, away Ruth. Ruth. <laughs> when we were angry at my mother. But anyway, a gentle answer turns away wrath. And so if someone is coming hard and they're saying something that's true, even if they're saying it in an accusatory way, why, what keeps us from being able to say, like, you know what? I want to hear what you're saying. I want to react to that. I want to get let go of the, I'm inflamed because you're inflamed. Who cares if someone's inflamed? Hear what they're saying. That's, as white Christian leaders, that's what we have to do right now. It it, it can't be like, black people were destroying property in Portland. Stop with that. Stop with that. That doesn't, those are not healing words. Those are not reconciling words. 
And I always struggle with that because I there is a time to, to say, hey, guys, that's wrong. And so I think there's always a tension there. That's always the tension for me. Yeah. I think just to finish on that point. I see you're reading the comments even as you talk. It's I know. It's, I, I find the comments, honestly, the comments are the best part of my week. If I could just recap my week that happened, I'd be like, last Saturday, I had so much fun reading people's comments. So people um, are asking a lot about where they find this and all that stuff. So for sure, and I others are sharing the website, and that's great. Pastor-Paul.com will take you to my podcast website, and I'll have it up there today. If you can't remember anything else, go to my bio and click on the link to my website and it will do it. Yeah, they're saying you're a multitasker. The only problem is it makes your eyes be down instead of looking at the people. What what can you do? I can't (laughs) do. I can't help that. But I wanted to just close this out and say one of my favorite sayings I heard from a Christian pastor who I've really gotten a lot out of over my lifetime said this, God will sometimes offend your mind to reveal your heart. So think about that, white Christians. Think about what is offending you. I'm so angry that you said evangelicals are white nationalists. I'm so angry that, okay, why are you Why does that make you angry? Why are you angry? And it's okay. Let's just be honest. It makes you angry. Let's talk that through, but let's seek to push through that and to be like, wow, I can really understand somebody coming to me and saying, can you acknowledge that this abhorrent behavior is in fact abhorrent? I don't like to be called out any more than the next guy or gal, but but let's just, I don't know. It's just like see past the approach and listen to the heart. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. I think Jesus intentionally offended people like yeah. When he said, eat my flesh, drink my blood, he was trying to poke a soft spot. When he told the Good Samaritan uh, parable, that's why I do modern day parables, because he would have told the Good Muslim parable, the Good Abortion Doctor parable. He, he would have poked the soft spots to see if people really wanted truth or if they just wanted to be right. There is a big difference between wanting truth and wanting to be right. And what we see in America today are a lot of people who want to be right. Mm. Mm. And so don't, I'm not going to listen to any news that would challenge what I think. I'm not going to listen to any other human Mm -hmm. that would challenge what I think. I'm only going to be in my bubble forevermore, Mm -hmm. listening to people who tell me I'm right Mm -hmm. because truth is less important than being right. That burns. Yeah. I like to be right too. <laughs> I do too. I really do. People who know me will be like, yeah, you're aggressive about that. <laughs> That's true. But I think that I, what I have learned in this season and we, we started off in the Trump era saying, Hey, God is going to use the fact that this man is president to reveal himself and to bring about his genuine You're and talking authentic about Donald love. Trump? I am. And I'm saying as when he was elected and half the country was like, ha, ah, finally, Jesus is the president. And then the other world was like, oh, my God has abandoned us. This is awful. He's the worst thing ever. In our camp, we were saying, God will use this. He's going to use this to reveal what needs to be revealed. So anyway, well, that's what happened all through the history of the the Bible is the kings. If you read through the books of Judges and Samuel and Chronicles and Kings, the kings revealed the heart of the people and the heart of the culture. That's right. And then that heart, that cultural heart, this is why I think government matters, is it reveals our cultural heart. And then that heart would be judged by God. Anyway, I will say this. What I have personally, like my personal growth, I'll just put it out there that this was definitely an area where I needed to grow. And I'm sure many people out there would say I'm not done growing, including me. But just the freedom that comes with humility is so worth it. And the quote being right thing that I think it really is, it is a white person thing. It is definitely a cultural thing. (laughs) Whiteness, evangelical Christianity combined 
probably plus just my own DNA, my own makeup and my family structure growing up, like being right was everything. And there's a lot of shame in that when you feel like you just have to be right all the time. And, but I just feel like God has helped to pull that back. And while it was a little bit painful, but not honestly, as much as I would have thought, yeah. the freedom is worth it. The liberation is worth it. And like just creating space for other people to have their point of view and to not feel like I needed to orchestrate that so much. I think it's, it's where the theologies are so damaging. The theology that we grew up with that here are the rules. They're written in the Bible. It's this rule book you have to follow. And if you don't follow it, you're going to go to hell for eternity. 16-year-old boy says, darn, hit by an 18-wheeler. He will be in hell forever in flames. And and by the way, Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon, and he's going to take the good people out, and he's going to leave the bad people behind. And oh, shit, look out, people who are left behind. You said shit. I did. So I'm going to be left behind. And that theology, like, it makes an exclusive religion that then we have permission, and we think it loving to tell people they're bad people. We think it is our job to tell people they're bad people. And that's where I think the deconstruction and reconstruction had a really wonderful podcast with a lady named Lacey Bean this week talking about coming out of a cult, an evangelical cult that said, not only do you believe the way we are or you're out, you believe we are the only ones that have the truth or you're out. And that reconstruction, deconstruction and reconstruction of theology is what God is doing in this season. So many people are going through it so that this idea of this exclusive, I'm right, you're wrong, and it's my job to tell you you're wrong and condemn you. Or if you say no to what I say, to wash my hands of you is a really destructive religion that just can't continue to stay in place. Hey, so maybe this would be a little interesting exercise. Have you, do you feel like this era of disruption, deconstruction, hopefully leading to reconstruction, has it impacted, how has it impacted you? And do you feel like you've been able to take steps forward in personal growth? And that's just another way of saying how have, I really believe God uses everything and, and that he is loving and intersecting our lives all the time. And even though sometimes the journey is painful, like things are like, he's moving us where he wants us to be. That's just the way I see it that way. But I'm curious, have you experienced personal growth? I would say mine in COVID shelter in place, George Floyd, Donald Trump, everything. I think it has been humility is what I have been smacked in the face with. I saw Chaz V3 there is saying, I think it, I'm assuming he's talking about evangelical Christianity, was hijacked long ago. Trump just latched sure. onto it. There's totally. No question. It's been decades hundreds. that the church has been I mean, going this hundreds way. Hundreds of years, yeah. honestly, thousands even. Yeah. And so Trump latched onto it because he's a manipulating marketer not a brilliant businessman. I don't think he's just a really good manipulator and jumping on trends that he's fantastic at and doing messaging to hateful people. He's great at. And in God's economy, I don't, I still don't think God put him in as president, but I think God said, this is, I can use this to be a mirror to Christian yeah. people to, to decide, do I want to be that? Or do I want to be this? Yeah. We don't get to be like in the middle Eh, I don't know that it really matters. Yeah. You're either for it or against it now. And that's what I think has been even the value of the season. I think in some ways, Trump did us a favor to blow the lid off and say, white supremacy? Oh, yeah. It's deep in the right-wing church. Racism mm -hmm. and nationalism and all of these things that I think Jesus pointed to the Pharisees and said, that stuff is yep. really evil. So on that point, I want to just note that someone said in the chat, I'm assuming a person of color says it's just been a really scary time and they don't trust white people right now. And I really appreciate that you are saying that. And we, it needs to be okay for you to express that. It needs to be safe for you to express that without being confronted with reverse discrimination. <laughs> no. Again, that comes back to the, we want to be offended. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for sharing that. And 
that's confronting and that's in a real and important way. So as a white person, and I have a lot of interaction with residents in my community that are people of color that that are finally, honestly, because of George Floyd and more people creating space for these conversations, feeling feeling safe to, to start to have these conversations. But it has been so hard because what happens is if people aren't prepared to listen and to talk, I, I've done this. Thankfully, the people I've had these conversations with are strong and we all power through together. But my reaction even can be so offensive. And it's just a whole, it creates this whole feeling of I'm not really being heard. I'm being dismissed. All of that. So I've learned that there's a lot of work to do before you can even get ready to have conversations with people of color about their experiences in, in their community, in their neighborhood and everything. Somebody's asking, has there always been a victim mentality in church? I, I don't know if I can say always. It has always been there since I've been alive. It's always been in the church that I know. And particularly in the 80s, it started becoming a, a thing. And then in the 90s, the culture war, the moral majority, actually, really in politics, I think it started in the late 60s with the anti-hippie Richard Nixon was silent majority, you common sense people, law and order. That was Nixon absconded law and order from racist candidate George Wallace. And so that was the start of like, you normal, common sense white people, these hippies, these Black Panthers are coming to get you. And I, Richard Nixon, am, am your savior from that. I think that was, it was deeply woven into that era and time and has just continued to grow. And then in the late 80s, early 90s, focus on the family, Newt Gingrich, culture war, moral majority, all of that uh, has just sown victimization in, into this. They're coming to get you and take your culture away, Rush Limbaugh. And so that has been absolutely woven and has groomed the American church, right-wing church, white evangelical church to be taken in by a guy like Donald Trump because people have been groomed for it for a long, long time. Then add in these prophetic words, that said Donald Trump was going to win the election, but never mentioned COVID once. Somehow we believe, oh, wow, they said, they prophesied Donald Trump was going to be president. You want to impress me, show me where in you know 2010, you prophesied that 2020 would be a, a year of plague. And then I'll be, maybe I'll be impressed. Okay, so... Just want to ask you guys, take a minute if you could and share this live feed. That would be great. There's a little arrow in the bottom right-hand screen of your device, and it is the Shero. And we'd love for you to just shoot this out right now. Some of you who have been tracking with us for a little while know that old Pastor Paul on TikTok is, we think, shadow banned or something. My theory on that is that after the election, TikTok didn't, as I say this, I know you're going to rebut, but that they're trying to cut down on political talk or something. And more dancing 15 year olds. Yeah. And they want, maybe they want to keep things a little more lighthearted. And, and by the way, I love watching people's pets on TikTok. Pudgy woke. <laughs> I could watch honestly all day, the same video just over and over that hilarious dog. But anyway, so something's going on. We're having a hard time getting the message out. So if you could share, we know we don't know, honestly, if that's going to help, but it would be great to just try to get out of the algorithm. And I know you would say, but other people's content is getting out. Why am I the only one? It's a fact. Well, I think it's, I think it's a compliment. I think it's a TikTok compliment because I think you are getting somewhere. <laughs> I think you are. The emails that Paul gets, the DMs that Paul gets from, from so many people just saying you feel like you are giving them a, a lifeline and just like fresh air that and that they're struggling without the kind of input and just connection that you're helping to create. So I think you're getting somewhere. I think just stay encouraged. But yeah, it's definitely it's been a little bit harder the last month really now. Yeah. So just share it and, and look at the videos and you guys are doing that. And I so appreciate it. Many of you are using the free pastor Paul hashtag and all those things. So it's fun. I, I don't know if it's going to change. I'm 
settled in like now we're starting week five of this and everybody told me, oh, it'll last 10 to 14 days and then it'll go away. No, it's been and longer. It's been longer. Searching for someone who's like an expert in TikTok, like just through networking, does anybody yes, know? Yes, I have. To- and if somebody's asking if I contacted TikTok directly and yes, yeah. I have. And they sent me back a link to an FAQ page that told it's me It's just nothing. like form emails yeah. that are like, hey, just make your content better. And we're like, our content is perfect. <laughs> Screw There's you. Nothing wrong with it. It's wonderful. <laughs> brilliant. Anyway, but like we can't find anybody. Norm, like on other platforms, you, you can find a host you of can, people. You can eventually YouTube get to videos. a human being. So people know, oh, okay, here's what you need to do or whatever. But we can't with TikTok. So it is a little bit mysterious. Who are these people? Maybe the people that said it was the Chinese were right. I know, but I don't want to say that because I don't want to get okay. in trouble more. Didn't say that in Yeah, that's what we've been thinking. All right. What else happened this week? Okay, so week that happened, this is, that was a really significant for you to sign on to that letter. And we'll make sure that you guys have the link so that you can help share it out and get other faith leaders to sign on. I know in our community here locally, a lot of people of color have been like, where are our white faith leaders standing up, like denouncing this stuff? And it's been, it's actually been hurtful that that's not been real loud in our community in Central California in Fresno. Okay. Week that happened for me looked kind of like this. I think most of what I was consumed with this week was trying to figure out how to get more vaccines to this region for people in the, the farm and ag sector. And it is a battle in some large part, mostly just because it's a battle around the globe and supply chain is just not pumping out yet, although that's changing, etc. But also there were some politics around that. There were some politics around just who's speaking up. So I was involved with a group that put together a coalition with some community groups, some worker organizations, some environmental justice groups, some ag associations, some people from the employment community and the worker community coming together to say, as it relates to farm worker vaccination in California, please, all of you people who are in charge of everything, be really relaxed. Let whole families get vaccinated. If if a, a, a car of folks roll up and the dad's in the front seat and he's like, hey, I'm working in the fields. I, I need my vaccination. And I brought my mom and I brought my daughter and I brought my wife. Vaccinate the whole car. Like, Whole family vaccination, no age restrictions, please, on our essential food and ag workers as they're coming up on harvest. And they are going to be toiling in the fields to make sure all of us have fresh fruits and vegetables on our tables for the next several months. Like, like get them vaccinated. No age restrictions. Even if they've had COVID, there's a restriction on if you've had COVID in the last 90 days, you can't get your vaccination yet because you're considered to be immune. So they're saving doses for other people. I understand the intention behind that, but honestly, this is a high priority population. They're disproportionately impacted. Of course, they are They are almost entirely people of color and have lack of access to healthcare resources, et cetera. So we're just like, man, for these, some hundreds of thousands of people, sorry, I'm not looking in the camera, for these hundreds of thousands of people in this region, let's be liberal, let's be generous. Let's extend well beyond what the restrictions currently are allowing. Oh, you just used the word liberal and a whole bunch of people <laughs> just turned you off. That was it. And all of these people were like lobbying are like <laughs> very liberal. Yeah. So we're like, hey, You're, you-, you are actually yes. speaking out to the political liberals yes. and saying, be, be liberal, liberal with be the liberal. vaccine. Yes. And, and lowercase l, be liberal and not judicious, but just blow it open. If we can get employers and working families together, we can just get it set up. We had 90 sites identified, 85,000 farm workers ready to be vaccinated and hit a little bit of a buzzsaw. I'm honestly, I'm reeling from that a little bit and just feeling let down. What, What do you think their reason is? Why are you having trouble wouldn't everybody say, great idea? Yes, yeah, let's I do know. that. That's the thing. I think I can't speculate on why, but here's what I would recommend for the 0% of people listening to me right now. <laughs> here's how I would advise you on how to handle this. There were things that these, these community groups came together around. 
that are, I would consider administrative in nature. For example, we live in a region where six to eight counties are, you know, like every county is handling things differently, but these farm sites roll over multiple counties or these employers have multiple county sites. And so in one county, they're they're being treated one way with one set of rules. In another county, it's another set of rules. So why couldn't the state just say, hey, as it relates to the ag and food sector, we're just going to say this applies to everybody and take some of that um, discretion and rulemaking out of the county level just for the spirit of being expeditious. So that is an easy yes. Say yes to that. Now, you can say, hey, we are so with you. We want this is a priority population for us. The reality is we don't have enough doses. And Yes, we'll work with you on the employer sites and the community sites, but you're not maybe going to get, you asked for 100,000 doses, we gave you 34,000, we're pushing hard to get you to 50. Like that can be an okay response, but do the easy stuff. Respond to the things that it's administrative relief to streamline this across multiple counties. I don't get why. I think what happened was it felt like criticism. You they know, felt it, like you were critiquing them yes, and they shrieked at yes, the critique. Yes, yes. So I want to respond to that. But first, Stevia Sweet, I saw your comment. He just said he's really scared that God hates him because he's gay. Oh. God does not hate you. You're perfect as you are. Send me a DM. I would love to chat with you. So yeah, just send mm-hmm. me a DM through TikTok and we'll connect. But no, God does not hate you. You don't have to be scared. The people telling you that are wrong. You are great as you are. And God thinks you're amazing. This is what I love about you. I love a lot of things about you, but one of the things I love about you, and really part of the premise of what we say is we hate religion and politics. We love Jesus and the Bible, and we love good government. And we think those go together and God loves those. And so what we're trying to say, people say, oh, you're not nonpartisan. I have a podcast called The Nonpartisan Evangelical. You're, you're not nonpartisan, you're partisan. And people think that because we're not in the tank for the right-wing evangelical church, but we're not partisan on the left either. And what, you're, what, you, what I love about you, and you say this often, is I just want government to run well. Let's just yes. make government work. Like When government works, it's so basic. Fires get fought. And we wouldn't be where we are with COVID if we didn't have a completely inept administration over the last year. Like there are things the government can do. So the idea, the right-wing idea that government is always bad, is always bad. Texas has proven that wrong, hasn't it, over the last week or so. Even Ted Cruz is calling for regulation of the power companies now. So government can help. The other side sometimes tends to be like, let's just put more government money to this and that'll fix it. And what you're saying is no government can be really good and really helpful in this, but it has to be well run. It has to be well managed. So there's enough money to go around. And that's what I love about the message that we have and what you do as a person working in the civic realm. Yeah. It always just comes down to the merit of the argument, right? If you're considering some like a public policy proposal or whatever, it doesn't matter who brings it forward. It shouldn't matter their political affiliation, nothing. Like things should just be considered on their merits. And what that means is sometimes as uh, if you're on one side of the political aisle, you're going to say, you know what? On the other side of the aisle, had a really good idea. Now, I think it could be improved or perfected. I'd really like to work with you to make sure it's implemented in a way that's most effective. But that frees you up. Like if it doesn't matter who's bringing the proposal forward, it frees you up to just consider things on the merits. And then honestly, I've been in politics. I'm not naive. I get that. I get the world of gotchas from political opponents. But the best way to defang a political po- component. Opponent? I'm going to start that over. The best way to defang a political opponent is to listen to them. Mm. And even if they're coming at you with the intent to hurt or politically maim or politically kill you, even if so, you just like, huh, okay, I see that. I'm not going to respond to that, but let me hear what you're bringing forward. 
it usually becomes pretty clear if they're doing like a Hail Mary or like I remember one time when we were dealing with the Great Recession and we were going through a bunch of budget cuts in our city and I was having a pretty public arm wrestle with the police union and respect very much the the person I was facing off with because he was good at his job and his job was to make me look really irresponsible or idiotic. And my job was to try to navigate the finances of the city. And he sent this letter that was like, Hey, you don't need to cut the following things because here are all of the thing. Here's all the fat in the budget. And he provided a list. Well, on the surface, it looked like, oh, what a helpful public steward. He's putting forward a list of all. And so we're like, all right, well, let's consider these items. And so we literally went through and noted like the cost savings that we would experience. And some of his ideas were good ideas, but the savings were like $50,000. And we were trying to close like a $10 million budget gap. So it's like, okay, we'll take the couch cushion the change in the couch cushion you're right about that but let's be honest this letter adds up to maybe a total of a half a million dollars in savings and we're trying to fill this big budget hole anyway just that's it's even if people are not approaching you in in an intellectually honest or emotionally honest space you have to assume they are in order to stop the spiral because if you just then go at them now you're just I don't know. It's why tumbling down the hill. It's why partisanship and particularly now where the extremes are operating and owning the parties. Although, hello, Christians, if you think Joe Biden is an extreme liberal Democrat, you don't know what the bleep you're talking about. (laughs) You need to wake up and not be stuck listening to focus on the family all the time. The so just running to your corner doesn't fix anything. At some point, let's try to fix things. Let's try to make the world a better place because Jeremiah 29, 7 says, pray for the welfare of your of the community where I sing you. Pray for the shalom. And the communities being talked about there are truly evil communities where people are being taken into slavery. And, and the Bible is saying, Pray for the welfare of that community because in its welfare, in its justice, in its peace, in its shalom, in its equality, you will find your welfare. And we're just saying, how do we, let's not go after the welfare of the Republican Party or the Christian religion or the right-wing ideology or the other side. Let's go after the welfare of our cities, our state, our region, our country, and the whole world and see what happens. Maybe in trying to have good things happen to people, things will happen. And I think that's what we've been saying to the California Republican Party for a long time. And instead of trying to figure out how to be a minority party taking power, why not try to think of real solutions that would benefit people? And maybe they'll vote for you then because you're the party coming up with real solutions for real people. Could help, couldn't it? The other thing that happened this week is this Equality Act has come out. And and I haven't studied it intensely. I don't know if you've looked at Mm-mm. it, but Christian people are losing their freaking minds. Okay. You got to fill me in. Yeah. What are you talking about? So it's basically a, an act. I think it passed the House and now it's going to the Senate. So okay. Franklin Graham put out a, oh, the sky is falling message today that everybody's now jumping on. Hellfire and brimstone. And it's, it is, it, it basically is an act to oh, say that's right. you yeah, cannot yeah. discriminate yeah, on the yeah. basis of gotcha. gender gotcha. or sexual preference. Yeah. It was a partisan vote, of course, because the Republicans have that's to be bad. against gay people Listen, at all times. That's too bad. There, there could have slash should have been at least a small handful of Republicans who voted their conscience and voted their district and voted in support. And so now every evangelical pastor is out there saying they're going to make us do gay marriage, do gay marriage and yeah. hire trans people and all of those things that, that we just use as boogeymen to scare people. But guys, let's ask the question. By the way, I heard a stat this week and I haven't had a chance to check it, but it was from a reliable source that said in the church, the acceptance of LGBTQ plus IA lifestyles 
is gaining faster than any belief out there. Like, I'm not surprised. I, I think in 20 years, yeah. you won't be able to find a church that's staunch against gay people yeah. like now. That's interesting. That's going to change in a generation for sure. This act. So what we do is in the church, we go to the boogeyman, slippery slope. This could happen and this could happen. Instead of just saying, I think God would be pleased if we just offered human dignity to everybody. Let's do that. Yeah. Let's just offer human dignity. If if a trans transitioning man wants to wear a dress and go in the women's bathroom, what's it's not the end of the world. It's not our, our kids are not going to be turned gay by that and go to hell. Yeah. We we've got to get off the slippery slope path. Yes, there are potential problems in the midst of that and let's work that through but a bill that says, hey, let's just start to provide human dignity to everybody. Let's recognize that gay and transgender people have been treated as second-class citizens for a long time, even as women used to be treated as second-class citizens, now are treated as like one-and-a-half-class citizens. <laughs> Someday we'll get them to completely equal. Let's allow everybody to have access to the same equality. So we have been on for almost an hour now and yep. it's gone by so fast. I think, I think that. Oh, it does go fast. I, okay. So I tried hard this time, you guys, I tried to look at the camera and that meant that I couldn't see all of the comments coming in. So I feel a little incomplete from my morning <laughs> on Paul and Ashley live. So I think next week I'm going to go back to just staring at the comments <laughs> and doing awkward video. But, but I wonder if we should land the plane, spend a little bit of time making sure if there are questions we need to answer or you need to answer or words of encouragement we want to share before we wind down, that would be smart. I've seen people asking about the golden Trump idol. We talked about that at the beginning. And so this, this live stream, TikTok doesn't preserve it, but YouTube does. And so you can go back and watch it on YouTube and see what we said about that. And it also gets on my website at pastor-paul.com. And uh, so you can go back and see it. We're not going to go into and that I'm again. I'm curious, did, did anybody take me up on my on my question of, did you experience personal growth? <laughs> like that might be too weird of a thing to ask in yeah. a TikTok live and a YouTube live. But I'm hoping there was a little bit of encouragement for people just to reflect this morning on, we're living through a disruptive time, but let's not miss the opportunity to reconstruct. Let's not miss that that's probably already happening in our lives. When like I have such mixed feelings about going back to like normal, whatever, because we'll look, uh, I have it. So my other like WTH thing. That you're you're interrupting week, yourself. I am. It happens, but it's all right. <laughs> I can keep track. So I was having a conversation with a colleague who's an older man and he's gone through the vaccination process. He's been eligible. And, and I was like, I am so far away from being eligible for a vaccine as in <laughs> I'm so young. And then I was like, wait a second, they're going to be to 50 and up in the not too distant future. And I'm like just under 50. And I'll be able to get that vaccine and you won't You're, in your face. Yeah, he's gonna get, anyway. So I had a little bit of a, Oh man, like generational moment of, I'm not as young as I think I am or used to be. But anyway. Particularly in the TikTok space. But there is a time coming where we're like, I'm going to not be working at home every day and things are going to feel a little bit back to normal. And I'm on so many calls during my day job of kind of community change agents and people in the philanthropic space around the state and nation. And everybody is saying the same thing, which is we're so excited about this moment that we're in history, but we're anxious that we're going to blow past the opportunity and the quest to quote, get back to normal. We are going to go back to the way things were. And there are so many people who do not want things to be exactly the way they were before COVID and the shutdown. Yeah. And I live with that. I, I really live with that. So what I want to do in the middle of these final months of waiting for the vaccinations and ultimately being full bore back to work and all of that is 
I want to recognize the ways in which I already have sensed God working in my life. And I want to say yes to more of that. So it's just an alignment thing of like, where's your heart? Where's your mind? Just anyway. So I put that out yeah. there for. And I think getting back to normal is not God's goal. I think that's it, right? That's I, really the point. The, the people that are fighting to get the churches back open again, that are fighting for the status quo to be reacquired, I think are missing the point of the season. I think there's something new and exciting happening. And I think it was what was happening in Jesus' time. It's like, there is a new way coming. They, in fact, they called it the way. They didn't call it Christianity. They called it the way. And I think there's a new church. We have an online Sunday gathering. You can join us tomorrow at 10 o'clock Pacific time. And we're trying to do something different. We're trying to see where is the spirit of God going in the next season? And somebody was asking about sort of how do we speak into this Christianity that's gone wrong? Let's just display, instead of saying what we're against and what we're running from, let's just display what we're going to. And I think there's a new way of saying God wants to connect to all flesh, to all humanity, and we want to be a part of that process. Yeah, join so us at 10 good. o'clock in the morning. Such great comments coming in. Yeah. See, I am going to read these comments better next time. But <laughs> can you scroll down just a little bit? I want to call out. Let's see. That anyway. one right there. Stop. Okay. Let's pray that God will show us the person we are to be for this time. Yeah. That's it. That's the right That's word. mindset. That's mindset shift. That um, is... In fact, in my coaching, I talk about the movie Gran Torino, where Clint Eastwood's character is living in a mindset when he was a Korean War veteran that Southeast Asian people were people that you shot and killed because they were a threat to your life. Now he's living in a neighborhood where Southeast Asian people are moving in, and that mindset has to change to realize they're not this dehumanized thing that you shot guns at, but they are human people that you can have relationship and learn and grow and change. And it's time for wow. Christians wow, wow, to wow. learn and grow and change so into a many. new mindset. And God's not going to be mad at you about that. So, man, maybe that's just where we need to end is yeah. let's covenant together. Those of us who are gathered on this call and all the networks we represent, dear God, let us stay in this place of being soft hearted, being open to you, being open to viewing other people and issues the way you do. I pray, God, that you would just replace my old way of thinking with your way of thinking. And I can find so many things to be grateful for in this season. The most important is just the stretch and creating space for us for us to really, as somebody said in the chat, not make the mistakes of yeah. the first part of this century or the last century. Yeah, and I pray... Blessing for God, love who God loves. Yeah. Let our yeah. heart be for who your heart is for. Yeah. I talked about Matthew 5 in the Bible talk this morning and how Jesus was turning everything on its head. No, being poor doesn't mean you're cursed by God. It actually means you're really loved by yeah. God just as much as anybody else. And so that's my heart is that we would learn to care for who God cares for, love who God loves, and not think that it's just me and we three that God cares for, but that whole world. Also, this God loves us as individuals so much. That's something that you push on a lot with your your personal growth stuff that you work on with other people is is really just it's sometimes it's a defense mechanism for especially for those of us raised in a religious setting, is to just make it all about other people and we push past our own needs to connect with God and really understand how he views us personally. We're taught that's an unacceptable um, way to spend your time. You should just be about other people. And that's really been a mindset shift for me too, is no, it's God wants you to know how he sees you. And as we've seen on the chat this morning, people asking for, Hey, am I okay? Cause I'm gay. Am I okay? Because of this or that. So, and let's not push past the moment where we really want to help encourage you to connect with God and have his view of who you are. Our mantra is, God is not mad at you. 
he's not looking to just slam people down. And yeah, I just, uh, a blessing of the Bible is that you would know the goodness of God, that know that God's eyes are upon you, that God sees you, that there's something overarching of the universe that recognizes you exist and values that existence. And I pray that God's followers, whether we claim to be Christian or, or something else, would recognize that is the heart of God to understand the value of human beings and live out of that. What does goose gang and goose on the shelf and bless the geese? What does all of that mean? Quite entertaining. I think we <laughs> have you ever be... read Goose Indians thirty two? I what? think it might be a bit of a prankster. Well, why are there so many of them? Then? Uh, it could be a concerted group of pranksters. Who knows? A lot of geese. A lot of geese. Well, anyway, the, the funny like, thing is we, we like really geese. like geese and yeah. we feel like they are a, a symbol of God's provision and yeah. uh, of wisdom for us. Back in ancient times, we're told, culture saw geese as like watchdogs from heaven because they were so enormous. And it was like, how can those things fly? So they were considered, they were treated as like a little bit special kind of bird. So we actually think they're cool. So somebody says, yes, we were sent from another account. Thank you for building up our numbers. Exactly. So I guess we could say flock you. Yeah. Please. Thank you for all the shares, all the love, all of that. And even you goose people, whatever that was all about. Thanks for pumping up our numbers. So we love it. All right. See you guys. See you soon.